Welcome back to Food Safety EDU. This is Jeff Feldman, Mr. F. Uh, I did something a little different this time. I actually put the recorder in the classroom uh, and forgot to push record initially, so when I thought about it, I finally hit the button. In this audio portion, I have a PowerPoint slide showing in front of the class, and it shows all the TCS foods, foods that need time and temperature control for safety. So I'm going quickly. Petty officer, charge, petty officer or person in charge. In this case, for your test, it's person in charge. You're the boss. You're going to be the petty officer controlling everybody else, all your subordinates. And so you're the one that has to pay attention to this more than them. Make sure that they're doing the right thing. Thank you. When you get there. The old term, so TCS is the new term, uh, potentially hazardous food. So when you talk to old senior chiefs or master chiefs or old people like me, the old term was potentially hazardous food. And now you're going to say TCS food because that's what it's called now. So I ruin it for everybody. When I go to the restaurant with my family, right, we sit down and I say, oh, okay, this is cheese and dairy. So that's listeria. That's salmonella. That's E. coli. This is red tide. What's red tide? Toxic algae. Okay. If this is my, there's Maine, there's Florida, there's Texas, California, Mexico, warm water, cold water, I have ASP, NSP, uh, PSP, NSP, then I have SIG, Latera, which is a fish. In the back of your book, all the way in the back, pages Alpha 1, Alpha 2, Alpha 3, Alpha 4, Alpha 5. Go ahead and flip there. So, I think on Alpha 10, there should be these biological toxins also. Coming from food, from plants, right? The toxins are naturally occurring in some plants, uh, some foods. This is algae that becomes toxic, gets into the fish. So biological process. In there, which one is demoic acid? Anybody find it? Go ahead. MD6 shellfish. Wait, no, demoic acid. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's going to be shellfish. Right? And you said it was amnesic? That's the il- yeah, that's the illness that okay. I was going to That's the one I always forget. Perfect. So there's amnesic shellfish poisoning, there's paralytic shellfish poisoning, and there's neurotoxic shellfish poisoning. Red tide, toxic algae. Certain time of the year, the old wives' tale or, or the old tradition, what are the months that you do not go clam digging? Right? So we have January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. And the old saying is, the months without R. May, June, July, August. All the rest of them have an R in the word, right? What's happening at this time of year? Say? Warm. Warm water, bright sunlight. So the algae... The sun is making it grow, 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 grow. And then it eats up all the oxygen, and it chokes itself off, and it dies. And then the bacteria in that algae 
grows through a bacterial growth curve and turns toxic. And then it gets into the shellfish. Right? They're sitting on a rock. They're not going anywhere. So this toxic algae comes and they consume it. And then we go clam digging and we take it, we eat it, and we go paralyzed. Or we forget everything. Or it changes our mind. Right? Neurotoxic. You touch something hot, you think it's cold. You touch something cold, you think you got burned. So it changes your mind. These are shellfish poisonings, usually, commonly in the summertime, but it happens all the time. So what comes with all shellfish when you purchase this pot shellfish before from a supplier? Yeah. Okay. What comes with the shellfish that we're supposed to keep? Go ahead. The data was like, a, like collected. Correct. So these are what we call shelf stock identification tags. So this is if we get sick from one of these things, or if people get sick from a virus, hepatitis A or norovirus, very common with shellfish, okay? Because it grows in the water and there's an amount, an acceptable amount of poo in the water, sorry, so the fecal oral route gets into the critters. And then we eat them, so we're eating that acceptable amount of feces, whatever that is. But if we get sick, we have these tags we keep for 90 days, right, in order for the backtracking from the health department. Good so far. All right. Red tide toxic algae can get in here. Every year in California, we have Dungeness crab season, and they stop because of this red tide that can get into the shellfish. So they postpone the crab season and the fishermen always get bent out of shape about it because they want to make money, they want to go fishing. But the scientists do their testing, they say, nope, the water's not safe yet, so you can't go planting or, or uh, crab fishing. So. All right, we have scombroid fish poisoning and we have stigmoterra fish poisoning, also in the back of your book. So when you guys study tonight, potentially, in the back of the book are all these fancy other illnesses, but we're going to talk about the main six, but here are the other ones in the back of your book that we can at least be aware of and where to look when you go for it. What's in turkey and chicken, potentially? Salmonella. Salmonella, okay. And another one is called Campylobacter. And then we have botulism. We have... Salmonella with the tomatoes. We have Listeria. Listeria grows where? In the fridge. It's everywhere. It grows inside the fridge and it grows outside the fridge. It causes pregnant women to lose their baby. Right? It's in unpasteurized cheeses, unpasteurized milks. It's a deli disease because deli meats usually sit in that refrigerator for a long time before somebody actually uses it. Right? Um, so, sprouts and sprout seeds are very common with salmonella because they grow in a moist, warm environment. Right? I have listeria, I have salmonella, I have E. coli. So where do we normally find E. coli? Meat, right? Beef. Okay. But it's in all the animals and humans carry it in the intestine also. Um, but in this case, here in California, we have Salinas, California, which is about three hours south of here. But they did their 
they grew the lettuce and they sent it throughout the country and a lot of people got sick from E. coli because next door are the cows and they go to the bathroom just like all these turkeys all over the place, right? The last two weeks, nobody cleaned up after them. Um, but then the crops get irrigated with this contaminated water. So the food safety people are trying really hard and the farm people are trying really hard to clean up that water before it goes on the crops. But what do you guys do when you receive this before you serve it to people? Wash it, please. Wash it, wash it, wash it. Baked potato has been associated with botulism. Potato salad has been associated with botulism. Botulism paralyzes you and kills you. In the ground, the dirt, and the dust. So this is rice and vegetables. These are, well, these are fruits and vegetables here. The potato is from the ground, the dirt, and the dust. In the, in the ground are what we call spore-forming bacteria. Spores. On your crib sheet, on the front page of it, <coughs> there's three boxes kind of in the middle. It says infections, intoxications, and toxin-mediated infections. Everybody see that? Yes. All right, so circle botulism. Circle or check bacillus cereus. And circle or check Clostridium perfringens. What's that last one, sir? Clostridium perfringens. So bacillus cereus, botulism, and Clostridium perfringens. These are the spore-forming bacteria from the ground that Dirk does. So when you take a carrot out of the ground and you dust it off and it's raw, you eat it. And if the spore is there, that's fine. It goes through you and passes away. It goes away. Turn to page 1-12, whatever this, uh, the TCS foods are. What page is that? 1-8. Okay. In there, you see where the rice and the vegetables are? What's the words next to that picture, please? Heat treated. So heat treated is the key. Once you heat treat it, so if I take that carrot out of the ground, it's raw, and the spore is on that carrot, it's still dormant, it's sleeping. This is bacteria inside of a shell, inside of a nodule, dormant in the ground for a long, long time, however long. Once you take it out of the ground on the carrot and you eat it, it goes through us and passes away, no problem. We're fine, we can eat a raw carrot. But if we heat treat it, because that's what that says, right? We heat treat it. We cook it above and warm it up, and then it starts cooling off. So if I cook this rice, sushi rice, right? I like sushi rice. So what do we do to sushi rice to keep it flavorful, but also to prevent these spore bacteria? Heat treated plant food. I cook the rice, I cook it up, and then I cool it down, cool it down, cool it down, cool it down. Once it gets below 135, that spore bacteria opens, kind of like the alien egg, right, on aliens, anyway. Then it grows through the bacterial growth curve and turns toxic, right, over time, over hours. So we can live in the lab phase, we can hold that food for four hours. Or, like any Japanese or, uh, sushi restaurant has to do, what do they put inside the rice to keep it flavorful and protect it from... Go ahead, 
Vinegar. Yeah, rice wine and vinegar. So, food, acid, time, temperature, oxygen, and moisture. We've been talking about time and temperature here, but if you're going to be chefy and you're going to do acid, well, you'll get kicked out of the Coast Guard. <laughs> Sorry, it's a drug. Uh, acid, oxygen, or moisture. If you're going to control acid, oxygen, and moisture, right? Then you have to have, Chief mentioned it earlier, a HACCP plan, Hazard Analysis and Critical Control Point plan. We'll get into that later. But the acid for this sushi rice, it's served at room temperature, right? It's not kept above 135 traditionally. It's just kept down. But to prevent the bacteria from growing, we change the pH of the environment. All right. So food, we need proteins and carbs. Right? That's what it says at the top of the crib sheet, proteins and carbs. So proteins would be meat. Carbohydrates could be the potato and the rice. Right? Acid, on a scale of 0 to 14, 7 is neutral, just like in school. Right? So from 7.5 to 4.6 is the range where the bacteria are happy. That's where they'll grow. That's where most all of our food is. In order to prevent the bacteria from growing in that rice and causing you to have the vomiting, right? It's called the rice vomiting disease, which is Bacillus cereus. You add the vinegar, and it changes the pH to 4.2. And then you do test strips, and you prove it to the health department, and they're happy with it. Okay. Time, four hours or more. It causes potentially illness, so we can hold food for up to four hours. Seven days. And then we'll get into, there's another sixth hour. Right? So we'll get into that later. Temperature, 41, 135, 70, 125. We know that. Oxygen. Some bacteria need oxygen to grow, and some don't. So botulism is that spore bacteria. The baked potatoes are so dense, right, that once they're cooked off, the botulism spore is potentially there, and there's no oxygen. So it can grow, and it has grown. And there's a podcast that the FDA gave me that you can uh, listen to. It's a lady describing how she ate a baked potato, and then she was paralyzed. And years later, she still messed up because she's overcoming that toxin that can uh, really hurt people. Untreated garlic and oil mixture. Rosemary, thyme, garlic from the ground that are the best. Spore bacteria. In oil, no oxygen. Right? So anytime we play with oxygen, they're worried about botulism and listeria both. Just like the refrigerator botulism and listeria both. Okay? And then moisture. Why is my beef jerky safe? Why are the cowboys okay for months on end eating hardtack? Dehydrated, right? When you go camping and you go to the store and you get all that dehydrated stuff. When I was in the army, we had MREs. It was all dry. So on a scale of zero to 100%, 100% is a glass of water. So 85% or higher allows for bacteria. If you can dry it off below 85% moisture, it should be okay. But then you still have to prove it to the health department. 
right? If you're going to do these techniques. For us, what we do in the galley, you're going to just work on time and temperature. That's easy. But as you guys progress, you're going to be chefy, and you're going to start to manipulate oxygen, moisture, and acid. Uh, and it's just a natural part of what we do. Just be aware that the bad things are there, and that you have to prevent them so you can feed people your good food. Okay. All right. When I go to the grocery store and I buy roasted red bell peppers or anything else in a jar, how do I prevent that from being... What do we do here? Citric acid. Right. Some type of acid. Change the environment. All clear as mud? All right. Chapter 2. By the end of this chapter, we're going to know what a coupon element is, and an outbreak has occurred. So how many for an outbreak? And what are the other things that have to go along with that? They have to eat the same item. They have the same symptoms. Same item, same symptoms? That's what I was saying. Okay. And there has to be an investigation, and there has to be laboratory proof now. So previously, it was just black and white, two people eating the same food, getting the same illness. Now, for your test, it's the two people, plus there has to be the investigation, plus there has to be laboratory analysis. Okay. All right. TCS, what's the other name for TCS? For old people? Yeah, yeah potentially hazardous food. Nice. All right. Ready to eat food. What's a ready to eat food? Um, like deli meat, um, mainly deli meat, and some other stuff, too. Sure. Go ahead. Food that is ready to go into somebody's mouth. Right? So is a hamburger a ready-to-eat food? Once it's cooked, it is. Once you make your temperature, you poke it, it makes what temperature for hamburger? 135. While we're on that, what temperature do I cook steak to? 145. Hamburger? 55. Hot dog, same thing. Chicken, turkey, duck, squab, pheasant? 165. 165. All whole fish? 145. If it's whole, right? So anytime, if it's whole, like this, the bacteria, wherever you put the knife is where the bacteria is. Okay. So 145 degrees. If I spike it, this is the Chikar tenderizer. Right? A spike tenderizer. And you go chunk, 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 chunk. Now what temperature do I am I supposed to cook it to? 155. Right? Same as hamburger, because it's all ground up. All the bacteria is ground up. Alright? So 145, 155, 165. What about vegetables for hot holding? 135. 135. Right? Make it 135 and then hot hold it. But if it's for immediate service, any temperature. Warm them up and put it on a plate if it's immediate, right to you now. But if it's going to be on the steam line down there, it's got to go to 130. Okay? All right. Ready to eat food. If it's ready to eat. So the risk factors. 37% of the problem was what? Holding temperatures. So we have to hold hot food hot. How long can this little hot dog be on the hot dog roller? 
It's, all, it's above 135. Right? So in here, we have four hours. But if it's above 135, it can be there for 16 weeks. Then you decide what the quality is. Right? No new bacteria is going to grow. It's above 135. So if there's no time, you determine what that time is. If it's hot. Right? But the quality tends to dries out. It gets yucky, whatever. But... How many days can I hold food in the fridge? Seven days. Food on the table outside? Four hours. Right? Above 135, unlimited amount of time based on what you determine the quality is. All right. 19% of the problem for risk factors. For personal hygiene. For personal hygiene. That dirty cook. So in chapter three, I think you're going to go into personal hygiene and, and illnesses and things like that. Right? Uh, 16% of the problem. Using contaminated equipment. Using cross-contamination, right? So if you have a chicken board and you're cutting with your knife and you're cutting chicken and then you use that knife to cut into your watermelon, what did I just do? Cross-contaminated. Cross-contaminated. So how do we prevent that? How do we try to prevent that? What tools do we have to try to prevent Okay, so we have this. We have procedural barriers. So I only do raw chicken there. Then I wash, rinse, sanitize, and air dry. Then I only do vegetables over here. Right. So there's procedures or separations, physical separations. When we go up to the upper galley and you guys are working up here, we're going to have certain boards for certain products. Once we're done, wash, rinse, sanitize, air dry, set up for the next product. If we have a product that has multiples, we'll set up a board in the back common kitchen. So everybody will do the raw chicken over here, but then we have a, a green board back there to do something. It's in a completely separate area. So green would be for what? Vegetables. Red is for? Red, raw meat. Red, raw meat. Okay. Brown. Cooked meat. All right. Yellow. Poultry. Raw poultry. Brown. Cook poultry. Blue. Fish. Fish. Ocean, right? Raw. Brown. Cooked fish, okay. White. Can be dairy, can be a catch all, right? Over at CIA, here we have color coded boards at Coast Guard. At CIA, they have wooden boards, right? But they're NSF. What does that mean? NSF. So all of our equipment has to be certified as meeting standards for sanitation. So NSF, you, if you have your thermometers or you look at any equipment in the galley, <coughs> it'll be NSF, National Rest NSF, National Sanitation Foundation, uh, or NSF International. Um, yes. All right, five risk factors. 16% was using dirty equipment, so we don't use dirty equipment. Make sure it's clean when you go to use it. 11% uh, the problem. Inadequate cooking. We know our temperatures, right? How do I check? When you have chickens and you have, when you're in the lower galley, you're going to have 25 pieces of chicken like this in bone, right? Thigh and leg combo on a rack, on a um, sheet pan with wire rack 
and you're going to sear for color first and make it pretty, and then you're going to throw it in the oven and cook. There's big ones and little ones, right? So the big ones are still going to be raw. The little ones are going to be cooked. So one of the techniques, <coughs> and up here, I cook with, or I work with Chief Stouse. So when he and I were in the lower galley, it's every single chicken, right? And you pull the ones that are cooked, and you, you serve those, and the rest of them go back in the oven. But we have to pay attention to the temperatures and make sure we're cooking properly. And you have to take into consideration the size right, and variations of the big ones and the little ones. And finally, what's the last one? Who do we buy my oysters from? And my lettuce? A verified supplier. Why are they verified? Why are they authorized suppliers? Just like us. We get inspected. You guys in the galley, every week, once a week, you're going to have an HS come through your galley and inspect your galleys. Every week. It's their job to come through and check out your galley. While we're in training up here, every week you're going to see DHSs come through. Every week down there, you're going to see DHSs come through and check your galley. In the civilian sector, uh, the health departments come through every six months, every year. But if you're a dirty bird, they come through every month. right? And then they close you down. I worked with two uh, restaurants over in uh, Napa County years ago. And they said, hey, can you go and help those guys? I said, sure. So I go over, I walk in the door, and the chef looks at his watch. He says, when are you leaving? I said, I'm leaving right now. I turn around, walked out, and they closed them down. So if people don't care, then that's one thing. So. All right, five risk factors. The populations who have higher risk. Who are the, the high-risk populations? Go ahead. Um, hospital patients, um, preschool okay. students, um, and seniors, maybe. Okay. So the very young, the very old and immune-compromised people who have certain medical conditions. Right? So those are the high-risk populations. How do we keep food safe? And government agencies, uh, which Chief already talked about, the different agencies for keeping food safe. So these are the contaminants, the contaminant word, the old word, is hazard. So contaminant equals hazard. So when we're talking about certain things, depending on what we're talking about, they're the exact same things. So biological, chemical, and physical. What's a biological hazard in a hamburger? What's the biological hazard in a hamburger that'll make you sick, shut down your kidneys, and kill you? E. coli. E. coli. Okay. What's a physical contaminant hazard? in a piece of hamburger that you can bite on and cut your tongue. Metal shavings. Metal shavings. Okay. And a chemical contaminant in a hamburger or on lettuce from the 1950s. Pesticides. Pesticides, right? Chemicals, right? So it all depends. So in hazard analysis and critical control point, we're analyzing the food. Kind of like when I point into all the things. I see salmonella, I see listeria, I see, I see E. coli in all my food on the restaurant menu. Analyze it. But then how do you keep it safe? By paying attention. You're the PIC and you are practicing active managerial control 
we're going to get into tomorrow, which falls in line with passive, which we'll get into tomorrow more. All right. So these things can cause a foodborne illness and result or result in physical injury. Has anybody ever bitten on anything before while you're eating? Yeah. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Break your teeth. Yeah. So I had a sandwich one time, and you've seen those magicians, and they have the uh, the handkerchiefs that come out of the mouth like that. This was somebody's hair. It was about that long. So I got it down there, and then I'm pulling it, and it wouldn't stop. It just kept coming. Which pathogen do we have all in us? Hair, nose, throat, open wounds, open sores. Staph comes from the staph, potentially. Contamination comes from various places. Animals we use for food. So it's the fecal-oral route. When you, off the cow, off the when you get ready to butcher the animal, first you have to kill it. Then they hang it, then they use a saw and cut it in half, and then they clean, well, they clean the outside first. Um, and they were using chemicals, and they're using steam cleaners now, and different techniques to clean off all that. What's on the outside of the animal after they're dead? A lot of feces, right? Just like walking in out here with these turkeys. The air can be contaminated. Contaminated water. I worked as a water treatment guy for two years. So I left here. I went for two years to work as water treatment because food safety and water safety go hand in hand. Um, and there's a lot of bad things in drinking water. How do we keep our water safe? What do we drink? Every time you go to that fountain over there, what's in the water keeping us safe from dying? Uh, okay, the minerals could be naturally occurring from that area. Again, filters filter out a lot of that stuff. So we always filter, filter, filter as best you can. What's the filter on the boats? Reverse osmosis, right? So uh, that, and then afterwards we add a chemical into the water, chlorine, yeah, to keep us safe. So you recognize this from school, right? All right. So here. The halogen ions are over here. There's fluorine, chlorine, bromine, and iodine. So when I clean my table, I can use iodine. When I wash my pots and pans, I can use iodine in the water to kill off the bad things. In our drinking water, on your boats, on your cutters and on your boats, they use bromine. Out in the ocean, it's allowed to use bromine. In hot tubs, they use bromine. Right? And then here on land, we use chlorine. Traditionally, So they're all cousins, they're all halogen ions that help to kill off the critters in the water and keep us safe. Before there was chemicals in the water, uh, hundreds of thousands of people died from drinking, right? On the Oregon Trail, all the people migrating, and they would drink out of the water and then they would die because they would get dysentery and different things. What was it? Oh, I think dysentery. Yeah. So uh, they would get really sick and die. And now, because we treat the water, first we filter it to filter off all the crud, and then we dose it with an amount of chlorine or bromine to keep us safe. So hundreds of thousands of people don't die. Now, about 100 people die from some kind of cancer instead. So there's a huge trade-off between the hundreds of thousands and the few but it was worth it, and that's why the industry does that. So at home, if you do your reverse osmosis, I'm on a well out in the 
orchards. I don't have anything in there except for my minerals. Uh, and they build up on the side of the shower and on the glasses and all that stuff. All right. Chemicals that we use in our operation. We have to make sure that uh, we don't overspray when we're cleaning, right? Or we're putting too much chemical. Right. And who would naturally, or who would deliberately do anything? Are there bad guys out there? Yeah. We don't want that. And then there's the accidental ones. Right? So I'm in San Francisco, I'm cooking on the cook's line, we're in the middle of dinner, and I reach up and I knock over my glass of soda, the glass shatters, the soda, ice, and glass go throughout all my food prep, and I was frozen. I didn't know what to do. And my boss pushed me out of the way, cleaned up. Thankfully, we had extra prep that we could back up onto, but uh, accidental contamination. So wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. That's the biggest thing. What is the, What else do we use besides hand washing to have a barrier between our clean, ready-to-eat food and uh, the dirty environment? Gloves. Gloves. And what else? What other tools could we use? Utensils. Utensils, tongs, wax paper, something besides that. When you're out on the boat in the middle of the ocean and you run out of gloves, can't go shopping, right? So be very mindful of your glove use while you're out there and use other techniques to maximize your gloves, you know, to last for the three months that you're out on float or whatever. All right. If they're in contact with a sick, per sick person who is sick, they sneeze or vomit on the food. Has anybody ever seen vomiting in a restaurant? Yes. No? Yeah? Yeah. It, it happens, and then you got to clean it. The big six illnesses are these guys. So these are the ones that will be asked on the test most likely. These are the ones you should be familiar with. So it's four and two. Four bacteria and two viruses. Remember I said in the sushi, or not in the sushi, but in the shellfish when we go clam digging, oyster digging, right? Hepatitis A and norovirus, the viruses, there's an acceptable amount of feces in the water. And it has happened so many times that uh, it's on the test. So your answer for the shellfish, what's that little piece of paper that we keep? Shellstock ID. Shellstock identification tag. How long do we keep it? 90 days. 90 days. Because hepatitis A virus can take 60 days to show up in a person. Right? You can eat the shellfish. And two months later, you're having liver problems and you turn yellow. What's yellowing in the skin and eyeballs called? Jaundice. jaundice, right? So it's, it shows that there's a problem with the liver. It may be a virus, this one. It may not be. It may be something else. Uh, babies are born with jaundice, right? But anytime a food handler has yellowing in the eyeballs or skin, they have to go see the doc and get cleared before they can come back to work. Hepatitis A can take two months, a long time before you show symptoms. Norovirus is really fast. It's the cruise ship virus, the nursing home virus, right? Any place that people are all together and everybody's touching everything. So who, everybody who has touched this door handle, right, or the, the bathroom, right, the head's door handle or the faucet, did everybody wash their hands? Yes. We hope, we hope. So when you go down to the lower galley and you have salad today at lunch, how many people are there before you? 100 people. And then you get the salad. 
Or you go through a self-service line and you get the fried chicken. Or you get a donut. And oh, it's finger licking good. They left feces on the handle of those tongs. And then you touch the tongs and now you get it. So the viruses are transferred from person to person. From person to thing, like a doorknob or tongs. And from person to food contact surface. And viruses are. They don't need fat tongue to grow. And you can't, we don't cook to a high enough temperature to kill off viruses. So what are our habits? What do we do as a cook in a kitchen every time we work with a different food? Clean, wash, rinse, and, yep. Use, uh, wash your hands, wash your hands. Change gloves as you move from one thing to the other. When you leave the toilet, wash your hands really well. Now these, three, these four bacteria, we have Shigella, which is dysentery, which kills people. Salmonella typhi, which is the human strain of salmonella. And then we have non-typhoidal uh, non salmonella, NPS, which is the chicken and the egg. And then we have STEC, also known as E. coli. So these are the four bacteria that need fat tom to grow. The viruses don't need fat tom. Salmonella typhi is a human strain. So Ella, 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 and a hamburger. Right. So Ella sisters, and they take a hamburger to the barbecue. So Ella, 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 Shigella, and Dr. Shiga was the same guy who found both of those years ago. So they named it after him. Right. Okay. And finally, we have our food allergens. In the back of your chapter two. We have the nine major allergens now. It previously was eight allergens, and now they've upgraded it to nine as of last year. So I was giving this portion of the class over at the other school, and I was getting ready to go into my spiel, and one of the students says, hey, Mr. Ruff, I have an old instructor who came up with a nifty way for us to remember the allergens. And I said, all right, well, tell me about it. He says, we use the days of the week. So what would Monday be? No, no, right? Okay, Wednesday. Wheat. Friday. Fish. Saturday. Soy. Sunday. Shellfish. Okay, shellfish and crustaceans. Right. Um, then it would be Thursday. Tree nuts and peanuts. Even though they're two different things, in order to do this technique, we add them together. Tree nuts and peanuts, even though they're two different animals. And what are we missing out of those eight? Tuesday, eggs. So those damn eggs. This was before sesame came into the picture. Then I heard sesame was coming. So I said, all right. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Sunday, Sesame. All right. So these are the ways to help remember the nine major allergens. The biggest thing, man, real quick. The biggest thing, it's these are from proteins in these uh, products in these. Uh, 
So I say it's the body's negative reaction to a microscopic protein. You can't cook it away. You can't kill it. It's not alive. That protein is not alive. So when I work on this cutting station and I'm prepping food, when I wash at the end, soap and water, the surfactants in the soap, big bubbles, right? Big bubbles make you squeaky clean when you take a shower. So big bubbles, and then you rinse. Wash and rinse, washes and rinses away the proteins. Then, as part of our habits, we sanitize because maybe there's some salmonella there. But this, the sanitizer doesn't matter for the proteins from these guys, really. We have to wash and rinse. So our hands, we have to wash and rinse anytime we do anything. So on the next page in that book, what color is the new allergen color for the cutting boards and all the equipment? Should be a picture. What's the new color coding for food allergen? It's not there. Purple. Purple is the new... So when you go to the restaurant supply store... They have all these different colors, right? And then over here they have another, and it's all purple-handled tongs, purple-handled spoons, purple-handled cutting boards, knives. Never is allowed to touch any of this. None of this is ever prepped on that purple equipment or with that purple equipment. Right? So many, many, the reason this is happening now is because so many people are allergic. The years have just progressed on how many people in the nation uh, are becoming allergic to everything, right? Including watermelon, including avocado, including beef, including... We had a chief come through Chiefs Academy and uh, she had some cilantro and had a, a start of a reaction. So these are the main nine, but there's a whole slew of other ones that people are allergic to. And when you guys get to your boats and you're the petty officer in charge and you're making the decisions, Right? and somebody on your crew says, hey, I'm allergic to X, Y, or Z, then you have to do your best so you don't hurt them. Right? All right. So the body's negative reaction to a microscopic protein. On page 222, they changed the book on me. Okay. Um, when we read the ingredient label, we purchase any foods, the ingredients will have a list of items in descending order of what's inside of that product, right? Just like when I get my granola bars, it has a descending list of everything that's in there. And in there, it may say whey, and it may say durum, but those aren't the clear, normal words that people use every day. So they have to, by law, put in parentheses, milk, to go along with whey and wheat to go along with durum if they're going to use that technique. So it's up to you, the professional, to read the ingredient list. When you're in the lower galley, you've seen all the ingredient, all the cards. Right? These are the allergen cards that go on there. So each one of these, where it says other, that's where you add sesame. Anytime we have an Asian day, everybody goes sesame all over the place. There was a student here two years ago. Anyway, she had a sesame thing and she had to be rushed to the hospital because she ate sesame here at Trace in Petaluma. So it's not a thing that isn't happening. Um, but 
when you look at the ingredient list and you use Worcestershire sauce, Worcestershire Shishir sauce, what's the ingredient in there that we have to tag out on this? Fish. 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 Who knew? The fish is inside the Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> you knew. All right. So that all make sense so far? I hope I didn't put anybody to sleep. Um, all right. Labeling. Service staff. Kitchen staff. Service staff out in front and the kitchen staff in the back have to be able to communicate and be able to describe the items to the customers as they go through. All right. I'm going to cut them for your, go ahead and take a eight minute break and uh, come back to chapter three. Thank you guys. See you tomorrow. You saw the Yeah, I sent two of them around. Thank you. Here you go. Appreciate it.